0: The Treehouse, Episode Sixty, X Lion Tamer, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, and, and when I introduce you, because I think the audience like it, Peps Good, good morning, everybody. Um, as Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh, you're all, you're all right with that, because I Yes, hate you to think yes, 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 you, know, yes. you grind a tooth every time. No, no, no. Because I, I had a friend who called me Tubbs for a long time. Uh, and, you know, Tubbs, and I wasn't, you know, Tubbs, and I had to say one time, don't call me tubs, but we're going to hear things like that about Well, there's
0: nothing unflattering in, in either no, of my names it, there. No,
1: no, no, and, it, it, and it's also great lore, L-O-R-E, of the show. Uh, <laughs> tremendous uh, uh, good morning, as I say to everybody. Here we go again with another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And uh, it's our penultimate show. Uh, of not, not forever, but before we uh, gather all our forces and march off towards the Patreon site, which I hope you'll join us with, because it's not just this racket. I'll be on well, you see these socks. I have to put them on every five minutes because I keep knocking them off with what people can go. We wanted anything else. And it, 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 I'm sorry to do this right at the top of the program, perhaps. No oh, so, one else should do. Exactly. No, exactly. You, you, you can't hide Call your under a Gary Bushel for, forever. So, um, Uh, I I find that in, certainly in the, the, let me say modern times, cliche that it is, and the way the world is now, we have got to build our island, our life raft, and we hope the treehouse at Patreon will be it. This is not just the shows, even though they're going to be plentiful, there's a whole bunch of other stuff to not worry about the wicked world one bit. Uh, and you know, I don't think a hundred pound a week is much to ask people. no. <laughs> but this will be the penultimate show before. Hopefully, we we happy band can gather in a, in another place, and there'll be plenty to come. So uh, uh, this originally today's show was going to be up against the clock, but that got spoiled.
0: Oh, I know. Phil and his practicalities keep ruining our gags.
1: It is. uh, uh, The the, um, idea was, well, we couldn't get um, the the, the service that uh, we recalled this on, except in a 40-minute version. I said, that'd be great. Because we'll count down and say, how are we doing, Peps? You say, we've got 32 minutes. Okay, how are we doing? Because we've got eight minutes to finish. That would have been great. But no. Uh, uh, You know, level-headed producer came in. And I mean, he's got flat top to his head. Uh, (laughs) Level-headed producer came in and said, actually, I've fixed it now. No. Right, no fun there. But So what I can tell you is this. And not at leisure, because we have, you know, we've got a show to start in a moment. 1844, uh, Walter Hunt's paper collar. Have I told you about this?
0: Is that a place collar. or a
1: person? Walter Hunt is a is is a real. Person. Oh, I thought it was a it was a like a quadruple-barrelled name. <laughs> <laughs> Mr and Mrs Paper Collar. I've given up a son, called him Walter Hunt. <laughs> yes. In 1844, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Mr and Mrs Paper Collar. No, the, uh, <laughs> the the Paper Collar itself. When I saw this, that immediately uh, I thought that's good, because you don't see those in old films, let's uh, in any film I watch. People did used to have just detachable collars, uh, which ping you- out the ping out and not only that uh, but uh, the the, the, uh, the thing at the front when they just wore the front of the shirt and it's to come up like a venetian blind and hit <laughs> them under the chin <laughs> that see some people think that's an archaic reference I don't think it is I still look <laughs> for shirts that uh when you're trying to pass yourself off in society you just wear a, a shirt front that at the most inopportune moment rolls itself up on your chin <laughs> and this is all the gift of the great Walter Hunt he Started no. it for, for people of you know a meager means when they needed to brush up, but you, you couldn't go out and buy a Railbrook shirt. Who can afford a Railbrook shirt these days? Uh, but uh, he um so uh, he meant you just the collars, so you could have your you know your coat done up, and it looked like <laughs> a shirt under it. That's amazing.
0: Uh, yeah. No, well that's what they did. It, it's 18... Disposable as well. very uh,
1: modern. It, it's uh and in, in his patent to the uh, you know to the patent office when you have to out. I didn't know you had to do that. You have to put an essay with what you're hoping to patent. Mm. I thought you just laid it down there, signed a bit of paper like registering a child. No, uh, you've never patented anything, No, <laughs> no. Have no. you ever invented, think you've invented anything? If anyone listening to my voice now thinks they ever invented something but didn't do anything about it, love no, to hear from you. I don't
0: think so.
1: Well, it, it, uh, uh, Walter Hunt was of sterner stuff, perhaps. Uh, the object, this is, this is in his uh, patent essay. The object of my present invention is to produce a shirt collar that shall not easily be broken, not easily be broken, and have sufficient elasticity to bend to the motions of the head, and that shall possess the beauty and whiteness of the most carefully dressed linen collar. I don't know how successful he was in that. He says, My invention further consists in of transparent varnish, whereby they are rendered proof against injury from either rain or perspiration, and when soiled, may be wiped with a damp cloth or sponge to restore their original whiteness. <laughs> it's like a bib! It's, well, he went goes on to the bib, because it's just the colour at the moment, remember? And then, in the very last paragraph, I noticed it says, I have hitherto too spoken of my invention, as particularly applicable to shirt collars, but it is evident that it is equally adapted to shirt bosoms and wristbands. (laughs) Collars and cuffs. So you had fake collar, fake cuffs, which is tremendous, but that's, and it's called a shirt bosom. A Uh, bosom. A a shirt bosom, madam. A shirt bosom is what used to roll up underneath the, you know, Chester Conklin's chin
0: varnished as if as if you know you could walk into the savoy and someone would go look at him and his beautiful lawn <laughs> <And> look, <laughs> out, peeping, out from,
1: peeping out from the arms of his evening coat are the cuffs it must be a whole shirt <laughs> and of course the image of what he got dressed you know and his wife might say don't do that in front of me just standing there in just the cuffs and the collar. (laughs) you would have to, wouldn't you? Right, I'm ready. I'll put something on. (laughs) You'd have to do the old, right, I'm ready joke. Uh, I'll I'll tell you this, and I don't often shine a light upon uh, uh, the uh, personal life indoors. Quite often, when we're getting ready for a night out, and if you're listening to this, uh, this is what I do for a living, so I'm just going to tell people, quite often, when we're getting ready for a night out, and it's a big night out, uh, at some fancy do, uh, I will emerge from the bathroom in just a pair of pants and a hat and say, Right, ready? (laughs) That joke I've been doing for fully 40 years. In a pair of pants, usually pulled up far too high like Betty Hill. A hat. Uh, Right, ready? She <laughs> gives the roll of the eyes. Right? I was
0: going to say I can like, even picture the, the
1: old, roll. No, of the no, eyes. Oh no! the old that right? Ready joke? Yes, right. Ready joke. Right well, again, the show is going to start in instanter. But the only other thing I can bring to you in 1877, Thomas Edison, whom God preserve, wrote to the president of the Telegraph Company to suggest the word "hello" should replace ah. "ahoy" as the standard phone answering. Now, people think and ahoy, boys And back we come. And back we come. And it was today, mm-hmm. uh, as we talked, you know, on the 18th, I think, of uh, uh, August. Then uh, this, was, this was the day when Thomas Edison wrote and said, this ahoy thing doesn't work. And the word hello was not used as a greeting then. It was not used as a he, greeting.
0: Did he act, He didn't make up the word. No, he didn't it make existed. up the word. It was a, it? as a
1: result of a competition, uh, people suggested. But hello was an expression of surprise, as in, hello, what's this? That was the original uh, uh, the usage of it, and not a corruption of it, and he suggested uh, hello should be it, but, and I promised the show, because the emails are plumptious this week. They really, <laughs> really are. No, they are. Uh, uh, plumptious would have been a tremendous word to answer the phone with, but of course, not in every uh, country do people say hello, peps. They don't say hello or uh, who's that. In different uh, countries. It's Pronto. Is it? pronto? What? Yes, it is. Bang. You've really taken the first one. In, in Italy, common greeting is pronto, which roughly translates as ready or I'm here mm. and I can hear you. Oh, in Italian Pol- GCSE over here. Oh, did you? That's one no, of the things no. you learn. Yeah, did you? Because you do pretend. Um, and, what, um, and what's prego?
0: Prego is sort of. Uh prego, like, uh, oh, God. They say, it, I don't I went understand. Italian there and moved no, my I
1: hands know, around. you did, you moved your hands in front again, prego. They say, as, as, as,
0: as, as, I think it's I've like got a handle on well, it. sort of, Is it? it's, it's thank sort of like a place filler, like, prego, right, ready, sort of, Because right, okay. I say Italians prego, everywhere are going, no, Louise, no.
1: Uh, no I not. sometimes say it back to them, and I don't know if it is. It's like aloha in Hawaiian means hello and goodbye. It's a
0: bit like we would say to prego, would be like, right, Sort of, okay, it's sort of prego, ready, sort of. Is it? So it's sort when they put the old plates, say so they come over,
1: yes, I prego. get it, when they've got the old menu in their hand, or, you you know, they want to take your order, they go prego, and that means, okay, right, what have we got? Yeah, and they, kind of
0: like I'm ready, plate, sort
1: of. When they bring the plates, they go prego, and then you say, oh, thank you very much, I go prego. It, it, it seems, Yeah. It seems, it seems to be a pretty multi-purpose word. It might mean what? Anyway, Polish, uh, they answer the phone with uh, something like um, taktulhamn. I don't know what it is and that means who is that calling in Spanish Dega which means speak or you can go ahead now speak uh, I know in Mexican which is a different uh, twist on Spanish of course uh, they say bueno which literally means good but in this context means something like well <laughs> it seems a bit harsh to answer the phone well what is a child <laughs> why do you call this phone well and here we go of course the Japanese has an enormous explanation uh, Manners matter in Japanese culture. Mm. In terms of, I know, is it worth doing this? But uh, I, I won't. Just look it up. The Japanese, it's its the usual kind of mind feel. uh, uh as, long as, you're not, as long as you're not answering the phone without your shoes on and things like that. In Tamil, a major language, of course, in southern India, the phones are answered with "solonga," which means tell me. That's a good one. Ooh. That's good, isn't it? Yes. Tell me. In Dutch, uh, you say met uh, and then your first name, which literally means... Uh, if, you, if, I, if you picked up the phone, say, you're with Louise. Oh. How about that? That's not bad. That's over in... in, I in my Holland. dad still says the phone number when he answers. And in Serbian, last one, uh, they say, molim, which translates as, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, you don't want that because it could say, you know, they could get in first and say, would you like to tell us all tell you all about the changes to your insurance policy? Yes, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then where are you? Uh, what are we doing this morning, perhaps? Let me... Uh some of them up. I'm still pondering prego. Thinking, and thinking to prego, in some it's, in some contexts, it's a bit more like, yeah, no problem. You're welcome, sort of thing. But <laughs> that's I'm, about twenty. I'm getting def- flustered because I think it. all Italians are now shouting at me. Well, I say it for everything. That's all. That's all I introduced mm. it for. Uh, so, what are we doing? Right. Number one, you have you have in fact written one song. Mm-hmm. Number two, something in your house that people always ask about. Mm-hmm. Number three, what have you spilled and over what? And number four, the first thing you ever complained about.
1: Thank you very much for those. Uh, those will continue and roll on into the next show. I may add one or two more. Uh, but then... Oh, you I did add
0: it's... another one late yesterday yes, about I did. giraffes.
1: Have I ever got any stories about giraffes? And that's, that's going to be my first one. We've got an absolute belter. Of course. <laughs> and, the, and the more I've found, uh, without all this overanalyzing, I do apologise, that once we make the leap to hyperspace and become one psychedelic panjandrum over there on Patreon... Uh, I I realise I've become a bit lax in the subjects because you can throw anything out there. And I realise when I put out, tell us stories about giraffes, if you only get two, that's plenty, and we've got two, and they are wonderful. Uh, and obviously, from after Friday, if you want to take part in the show, there's only one way to do that. I'm starting to be like that, but uh, we want to do this for a living. And believe me, the first, like everybody else, the first eight months of this year, <laughs> though we've enjoyed Lean. doing the shows, we've enjoyed doing the shows. But uh, what you
0: got over there, Peps? Well, we're going to start with uh, Bonzo talking about pets hiding things. I must tell you about our golden retriever Rupert, so named because even as a pup he looked like he was wearing furry plus fours and walked everywhere with his nose in the air. Every Saturday he would ask to be let into the garden and one member of the family rubbing sleep from their eyes would do so, forgetting the events of the previous weekend. What Rupert always remembered was that on Saturdays the milkman delivers a dozen eggs as part of the order. As the bleary-eyed family member made a cup of tea and looked for milk, a sudden realisation would wash over them, and as they rushed to the front door, they were greeted by always the same scene, an egg carton ripped into a hundred pieces on the front lawn, but not a single egg to be seen. What followed was the weekly equivalent of an Easter egg hunt. We walked through the garden and searched under trees and bushes, with Rupert watching our every move, and as we got closer, he would get excited and his tail would wag furiously. The amazing thing was that after a 20-30 to 30 minute hunt, we would find most of the eggs intact. He was such a gentle lad, he would only ever break one or two. Oh. And once again, the following week, the ritual would be repeated as he conned another member of the family into letting him out and ten minutes later realised their error. He was a lovely dog and we miss him dearly. That's yeah,
1: so bonzo. Bonzo. I, I have addressed once or twice the mystery of uh, buried eggs in the garden. Uh, I think foxes do it. I don't know. And I don't know why. Yes, you do. You find we found several occasions, especially in the um, the pots of the garden. You see, the earth has been disturbed, and down there is an egg. It's just oh. just an egg. Now we now we know the source of them. It's this person's front door. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think it must be foxes, because certainly the dogs we've done have never done it. But I mentioned earlier. That, uh, 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 I might have had a glass of wine. Don't look at me like that. I suddenly said, give us any stories you have about giraffes or similarly large animals. <laughs> and immediately, Karen got in touch uh, and she's hopefully been waiting all her life for somebody to say, have you got any giraffe stories? So Karen tells us this, Peps. I think you'll enjoy this. I was taken to the zoo when I was about nine. My brother was four. And at that time you could buy food to feed the giraffes. I recall it was nuts of some kind. I saw their huge necks craning over the fence and they didn't seem to be coming my way. I looked out to see my little brother standing stock-still and goggle-eyed at these magnificent beasts and I had a brainwave. I very gently piled a little pile of nuts on the top of his head and I waited. Suddenly a huge giraffe tongue came out of nowhere and literally swooped down around my brother's head and took him off the ground. (gasps) pandemonium ensued. The giraffe sucked up all the nuts and dropped my brother unceremoniously onto the ground to floods of tears. And once the truth came out, my tears also, because I got a whack from me dad. But it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that imagery, uh, you can just, if somebody doesn't plonk that in a film, a giraffe, because the, the, you know, the, their tongues are sizable. I mean, mm. uh, my eternal question to all vets listening to this show, not necessarily vets, but people who know about animals, is how far down a giraffe's neck does its tongue go? And if it doesn't go all the way down, what's it tied to? And if it does go all the way down, what's it tied to? Because I never know what our tongues are tied to. I don't. Once the (laughs) tongue disappears over the back of your, your throat, is it tied to something in a knot? Where does it go once it disappears over the back of your mouth, let alone br'er giraffe? Anyway... pay no attention when you were poorly. It (laughs) Surely that explained this all to you. You may have done. You may may have done. But you may have done. But I still... Now I think... And even if I think about it now, if you think about the back of your tongue now, it makes you feel a bit ooky. It's just disappearing over the back of your... down your neck. But where the Waterfall? But where... (laughs) does it go? What's it attached to back there? otherwise it would just come lolling out of your mouth i've seen people do that but it's got to be it's got to be some kind of i don't know not staples but some kind of screw system (laughs) holding it in there but brer giraffe has such a strong tongue it picked up her little brother and took once the nuts were gone it released him again but the idea of a little boy's feet coming off the ground propelled by a giraffe superb thank you very much indeed karen what you got there peps
0: this is getting something stuck to your body (laughs) <laughs> this is from Neil in Barrington. You know,
1: I, I would so I would sign up now if it was available. It ain't available yet. It's, it's yeah. simply it, it, I, 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 there's other work to be done. But this this the the, the responses we get are absolutely top of the shop, warm pets.
0: While at Catering College in Cambridge in the early 90s, I was sitting on a storage heater during a lecture when I stuck my middle finger down a hole at the back. It felt quite tight and I soon realised it was stuck and the heater was causing it to swell up. After about 10 minutes, I had to inform the lecturer and they tried butter and soap, etc., to no avail. They then decided to unscrew the casing of the heater from the wall, three foot by seven foot by two foot. They then tried to get my fingers somehow into a large sink of ice, but nothing. We realized I had to go to the fire station, but we discovered the casing was too large to fit in a car. Hmm. So, two of my classmates had to carry one end each and walk me to the fire station. The quickest way was through the shopping center, and in the middle of the shopping center, of course, my mates put the casing down, and I said, "What are you doing?" lunchtime, they said, back in a bit, <laughs> and off they went. No. They left me looking ridiculous for an hour. Of course, well done. <laughs> when they returned off, we started walking to the fire station again, slightly wobbly as they had by now been to the pub for a few. On arrival at the fire station, the fireman said they could get it off and put on a welding helmet and yeah. the biggest blowtorch I have ever seen. Then, as they got closer to about two inches from my finger, they turned it off and got a junior hacksaw to remove <laughs> me. The whole fire station watched on f- in fits of laughter. Don't talk to me about things stuck to your body.
1: Well, any of, those you, you, any of those you've got. Wendy's sister, Angie, because remember Wendy's one of seven sisters, uh, uh, she got stung on a... a a, a finger that she had a ring on, and the, uh, yeah, and immediately she could not get the ring off, and the, the and the finger started going and enlarging and enlarging is extraordinarily dangerous of course and she had that and she ran into a, a, a the garage with her brother who had a workshop there and said do this and he did even though she was obviously in tremendous distress and it was very dangerous because she had this enormous enormous kind of Popeye style finger uh, with this little tiny ring holding everything in he got the old blowtorch out and pretended oh. to do that and then just did the hacksaw thing. Yeah, there's, oh, there's you, a brother for you. you. You've always got time for the gag, is what we're talking about. Certain blokes seem to do. Now, one of the subjects which I didn't over get anything of, but sometimes I should. They just amuse me to see them in print. peps, was uh, I have actually only ever written one song. Uh, now, you know, it's quite a good event of this. But anyway, the uh, uh, this this uh, came from our correspondent Sid. And he's a painter. And this is exactly what I had in mind. He said, I'm a decorator by trade and I work mainly on my own. And having been at it a good few years, the majority of the time, I don't really have to think about what I'm doing as it all just comes as second nature. So this gives me plenty of time to ponder many a thought. About three years ago, whilst at work, a song appeared in my head, fully formed. Now, where the inspiration came from, I can only guess. But the subject was about a young man pleading with his wife or girlfriend to stop spending money. May I add, at this point, this is no reflection of my actual life. Tearing a piece of lining paper from the roll and snatching up a pencil, it was written in no more than 30 minutes. It was as if I was possessed and could only stop for a few seconds to find rhymes for such tricky phrases as spray-tanned hips and knickerbocker glory. When it was finished, I was somewhat dazed, but I had to pull myself together and get hanging with the rest of the lining paper. The job was price work. When I got home that night, my wife asked how my day had been. OK, I said, and then I said, you know what? I wrote a song. I was hoping for a big reaction, and all I got was, oh right, and nothing else. I waited and then had to ask, well, don't you want to hear it? <laughs> Which got, well, maybe later, eh? So I rang some mates to little or no interest again. I didn't ask again. I copied the song down to my A4 paper and it now lays down in the chest of drawers in my bedroom. It's never been heard nor sung by anyone. It was only seeing your request on Twitter that I looked it up again. But I know when I've had enough of pushing paint around, I'll fire that song off to Elton John or Lady Gaga or Willie Nelson and then watch the dough come rolling in with my feet up in a villa in Crete. And that's from Sid the Painter, and he puts a PS. Sorry, I forgot to mention the song's title is Champagne Ideas and Lemonade Money. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's rather nice. And that's from Sid. Now we don't have it. Sid, if you'd like to provide those lyrics, um I, I'm not much of a tunesmith. Let me put that away. a uh, uh, different way. I'm not a tunesmith at all. But um I could run it round to my good friend Glenn Jillbrook, who might get Oh, in... That's
0: a Glenn kind of lyric. Well,
1: champagne ideas and lemonade money. That that's nice. That's nice. Um however if it also includes spray tan, hips and knickerbock of glory, then it's, it hits a bit of a stinker, but who knows? Something else, Peps, and then we'll take a little break.
0: Well, we'll do. We'll go on the same um, tangent. This is from Peter Oldfield. My wife and I were listening to music via Alexa last night and I randomly jokingly said, Alexa, play songs by Peter Oldfield. And it played a song I wrote a few years ago. No. It's bugging me. I don't know how it's got onto Amazon or Spotify, but it's made me smile. He, so he had written his a song own, his own song called under control
1: if they it? say that in microcosm is is the agonies of the music business now your songs are just uh, stolen from you and bunged up on streaming services we all know that argument but uh, equally cliche that it might be i don't see i don't have the old mobile phone so i'm immune to it but when there's not the greatest consumer in the world she'll be idly talking in in the kitchen about um be lovely to have been out, you know, like right now in Portugal or in Florida, wouldn't it? And immediately the phone offers flights.
0: Oh, don't, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, crazy. on all of that, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. I know that. And I, but I said to when how does it do that? And how does it do it? Now, I have no idea. I said, because they have listening services all over, the, all over Russia, they're listening now. They're not. <laughs> but I, I don't know how they do that. And I don't think they should do that.
0: Well, a beautiful thing that happened the other day, because we do have one of those uh, speakers in the kitchen. Yeah. Is, do you? Yes. I discovered, that, I mean, I, I already know that I talk to myself quite a lot. Do you? Yes. <laughs> but I didn't know that, that it, it can store a shopping list for you. And I only discovered this... When I apparently, unknowns to me, walked into the kitchen and said to myself, "I'm going to have a lovely boiled egg," yeah, <laughs> out loud to myself, and the voice in the corner went, "Added to shopping list: lovely boiled egg." <laughs> 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 just now, I've lovely w- boiled
1: egg. I've never wanted one of those, you know, but now I really want them, <laughs> and I'd walk into, the, I'd walk out of the kitchen, back in again. I'll have another lovely boiled egg. Add it to shopping list. Another lovely boiled egg. I'll see who wins that battle. It'll give up. I'll ha- I'll have it saying after a while, please stop with the boiled eggs. I'm exhausted. <laughs> but perhaps you talk to yourself, do you? Oh, I always talk out loud. But Thank the
0: fact know. that I mean don't it's don't spring. It's a past it. It's pitiful that I
1: actually said to myself. A lovely boiled egg. <laughs> I know, in a sitcom, you say, who does that? Who does that talk? In sitcoms, they have to talk that loud to get the plot across. <laughs> a
0: boiled egg of all the exotica.
1: Add it to your shopping list, eh? A uh, freshly boiled egg. Right, we're going to take a little break. And uh, <laughs> we're having a good time, aren't we? <laughs> and we'll be right back. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show.
0: Radiating
1: out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta
0: to the recession, on the Danny Baker Show.
1: Take it away, Danny. And welcome back uh um we well, left perhaps talking to herself in the, in the middle of nowhere and uh, and I, I i'm sorry to labor the point but i like the idea you talk out loud to yourself oh um, all the time and anyone else who does that please let us know because sometimes it, it can have um curious or interesting results uh, but you don't see that anymore and i don't i don't wish to um you know, uh, uh, well, I don't, I don't know how I can preface this, but I used to enjoy, but sp- long before phones. Now people can walk along talking to themselves, and uh, uh, they're probably on some headset. Oh, on
0: Bluetooth, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, most people are. But uh, it, you know, in the '60s and '70s, people—you did used to see people talking to themselves walking along the street, and, and just chatting. And My Mum used to, yeah. Talk talking to himself over there, and people
0: don't look, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, they no, you know. Uh, oh, masks disturbed. have been a boon. I can mouth to myself while I'm walking around the supermarket now, and I don't look like such a, well, as you say, bit of a uh, nutter. You, you don't see exactly, so, but uh, the idea that... The mask is used, helping me.
1: People did used to walk around talking to themselves. Uh, this is extraordinary. This is a weird one. This is things in your house. Things in your house that uh, people always comment on. And this is sent to us by Dan, Uh, And Dan tells us this. He says, read the subject, something in your house that people always ask about. See the attached notice that takes pride of place in our downstairs toilet, which we've endeavored to turn into a maddening collage of signed gig posters, match-worn football shirts and other paraphernalia. At a wedding reception in the black country, we saw this sign either side of the entrance to the toilets. One look and we knew we would have to liberate it and add it to our cavalcade. It's in our own WC, as I say, and it's eye-level, and never fails to baffle, especially casual callers and tradesmen. We never have to explain it because, well, we can't. Overzealous baby changes, perhaps. Now, everyone wants to know, what on earth could this sign say? And I've never seen anything like this. And it's a large sign, and written almost in that font that wartime things were written. And it's all, as I said, it was on the wall of a house, of a place that did functions for weddings. And in large letters at the top, it's got no talc, please. Underneath that, it's got written after discussions with management due to recent talc related incidents at other venues where customers have slipped and fallen, resulting in injury. We've decided that for the safety of everyone, and this bit's underlined, talc is no longer permitted at this venue. Please kindly adhere to this request.
0: What on earth could that be? Yeah, any any ideas? I mean, I, I know the old... what well, Northern Soul nights. Is it? They used to put talc down so you could get proper easy slippage flippage? Oh, is it? I've heard, oh, I know, I didn't it? want to say it. No, that's a disappointing answer. I know everyone answer. else
1: would be saying it. Oh, that's a disappointing answer. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's sort of like the old sand dance, the Wilson, Keppel, and Betty. Yes. they would. <laughs> that, that's God, what they, they would do.
0: Well, that's what I th- I've, I'm, I, I've I, heard I, I it mentioned know. to me before about putting a bit of talc down. I've, I've not. I thought. <laughs> see, my, my thoughts
1: always went to that old joke. Oh yeah. You know, uh, oh. uh, uh, in, look, the fellow goes into the chemist and says, uh, "Do you have some talcum powder?" And they say, "Yes, sir." Walk this way. And he says, "If I could walk that way, I wouldn't need the talcum powder." That's <laughs> probably the oldest joke in the world, right? Uh, so that's where my mind went. Uh, and indeed, the baby changing thing. Oh, it's that. Uh, Do you know what it means? And please, no uh, modern drug reference here. Do you know what it means in, now you've given me the talc thing, to coke the stage. To coke the stage. So in the West End musicals and all over theatre land. they sometimes have to coke the stage. That means that uh, as opposed to were uh, talking the floor to get slippage, in West End musicals, it can't be too... Slippery Or the dancers mm. go over So quite often A bucket will be filled With Coca-Cola And, mo- and a mop in it No To make it just Tacky Just wow. a little bit sticky So you yeah, That's a showbiz thing To coke the stage. If the if in rehearsal the dancers say it's a bit slippy, they will coke the stage. Well, I'm disappointed. Well, not. I'm, I'm both thrilled yeah, and disappointed. I, I, I don't. The one musical genre I have absolutely known nothing about, and don't even know how to define it or what is, is northern soul. I want to a bit of northern some, soul. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. Someone says that's a northern soul record, and it sounds. Pretty much like a sort of motown soul record from the 60s. And it's so finicky to find out. And they go for thousands and thousands. And you listen to them, you think, what defines that as Northern Soul? I don't know. Uh, and and that, in, in music, that's pretty rare for me out of soul. Give us a sec, Peps. What you got?
0: This is from Simon, who's given us three in one here. Good. In the early 90s, I worked at the RSC in Stratford-upon-Avon in the bar of the Swan Theatre. And prior to the performance, I was serving pre-theatre drinks. A very smartly dressed lady, and to be fair, most folk did dress for the occasion back then, ordered a glass of red wine. I poured it into the glass, but instead of pushing the base of the glass towards her, I pushed the top. And the result, as most physics students will tell you, was the resistance of the wooden counter and the unequal force to a top-heavy glass. Saw it topple. Mm-hmm. It didn't just spill, it launched at her, mm-hmm. splattering the counter in her evening attire, and all I had was a tea towel to pass to her and apologise profusely. She was actually OK about it and accepted my apology. As an aside, I also took a drinks order for an elderly couple and asked for their name to be put next to their drinks. The old boy said, Tolkien. To which I said, any relation? He said, yes, my father. Oh, oh how's about that? How's society. about that? And as, a, as a PS, if you're in the market for another strange phenomena, look at the Lake Peña disaster. It'll pique your interest in bucket loads. Yes, I think uh, it it may not be
1: um, uh, what I'm thinking of, but there's certainly, um, uh, this is our, uh, in our uh, kind of Fortune times phenomena bracket um towns that have been on fire for, or roads that have been on fire for decades and decades if you heard the last few shows, you know anything like that fascinates us strangely I think we're talking about there, I may be wrong of course but it doesn't matter, it gives me a chance to say this uh, there's certainly, um, in I think it was in Canada, I think in Canada there was an entire bay uh, you know, just like with the bay yeah, huge bay and they were uh, drilling under it for uh, coal there was a coal mine under the bay and at one time, they were drilling upwards and they drove too far and they dro- drilled into the sea water above them. And the sea started coming in. They, they got out. But it kept coming in and coming in. And there's film of it. It was in the 1960s. It, it actually starts this whirlpool, which eventually leaves all this, just the dry bay. Uh, it takes yeah. days and days and days. E- really eerie to see. All the ships are on their sides. The bay goes down into this sinkhole, which the uh, miners underneath it had accidentally drilled up. And that, there's a phenomena. But maybe they should do that. I love with the... that you already knew that. I, 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 it may be a different one. I'll look up the one our correspondent has given us. But if they did that with the one that's always been on fire, there's their solution. <laughs> anyway, uh, this um, uh, comes to us uh, from our friend Alex. Alex gets in touch with this, and this is back to nicknames again. And this is an absolute pip. This is a uh, Alex tells us. I'm writing to give you the story how my friend, Pate, got his nickname. As in Pate the... Uh, Pate. <laughs> From Belgium and that. In my final year at school, my friends and I were captains of the first and second 11 football teams. It was our responsibility to organise the end of season dinner. We hadn't. Very last minute stuff, we were just a few days away uh, from the end of season and we had to find a private room in a hotel. We did, but they insisted to accept the booking, we had to pre-order the food that they needed that afternoon. The teacher in charge duly dispatched my friend and I to track down the members of our teams across the school to collect the menus choices. Mm. It seems a bit grand for school, doesn't it? Anyway, it was, when it was collated, we noticed that of the near 30 people, only one person had chosen pate, our good friend Paul. Everyone else said they'd start with soup, melon, or prawn cocktail. The anomaly was mentioned at training that night, and Paul hit back hard. The rest of us apparently were heathens, suburban (laughs) boars. We were uncouth and didn't have a cultured palate. And he was the height of sophistication because he always started with pâté. Well, we got to the evening itself and the starters were brought out. The pâté arrived and I'll be honest, it could only be described as looking like something a dog might leave on the pavement with a spring of parsley in the middle. That doesn't look very nice, Paul, came a voice across the table. Paul said, it always looks like this, it's pâté. It's supposed to look like this. He then proceeded to shovel in a mouthful. He chewed a little. Then he dropped his knife and fork and said, that is disgusting. (laughs) From that moment on, and for the following 25 years, he's been known as pâté. Never Paul, always pâté. When he was first married, we did start calling his wife toast, but she didn't like it, and so we stopped. Not like with pâté is always pâté. That's a tremendous story. Imagine trying to get away with calling his wife toast. Pâté and toast. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much indeed, Alex. A superb one. One more uh, peps and we'll be at the folks' way. Uh, this is from Alan. Things I accidentally hoovered up. My tale is a short one, but when you mentioned it, it flashed me back to us being a 16-year-old apprentice in the mid-80s. As most apprenticeships in the 80s didn't just involve proper training, you had to do tasks like the chippy and shop run at lunchtime. Side story, another apprentice was asked to get a Mars bar, and if they didn't have one, get something at a similar price. He brought back the Sun newspaper. He was not (laughs) the sharpest. (laughs) But I digress. My task was to hoover underneath the reception area that was nicknamed the hellhole. This is where old bits of print paraphernalia were stored and forgotten about. I had to remove all the old machinery and crawl back and forth on all fours for a few days until it was emptied and then bring out the hoover and suck up all the black dust that had gathered for years. As I moved into the darkest recesses of the hellhole, the torch that i had balanced on the vacuum moved slightly and flashed upon a mouse. What happened next was a blur. Scared by the sudden glimpse of the mouse, my hand moved to the end of the vacuum and then to the mouse, which was clearly deceased, but the strength of the vacuum made it slightly wobble. (laughs) Whoosh, and off it went up the tube. But I thought this was now a zombie mouse that was moving and tried to stand up and escape, knocked my head on the rafters and knocked out cold. The receptionist found me after hearing all the hullabaloo below and I was dragged out. Of course, everyone had a good laugh at my expense and still made me go to the chippy. On an extra side note, I was also electrocuted during that apprenticeship. I touched the live wires on an old camera and I shot back like Michael J Fox on his guitar in Back to the Future. (laughs) I knocked myself out again, but this time had to go to hospital. Perhaps not such fun times as I thought after all, says Alan. alive, how about that? Yeah, of course, uh,
1: uh, there's two things there. One, Alice in Hove, hello Alice, sent us a tremendous uh, 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 story which kind of comes on off the back of that a bit. But we'll start with that next time. But of course, you know, um, uh, uh, by the way, I knock, I've only been kind of knocked out once in my life, uh, I think. I think it was. I, there's, people tell me I wasn't. But you know when I went down in the cellar to collect balloons? Do You know this? Uh, <laughs> I you, think everybody. we may have found a story. I don't know. It, it, oh, man. It, 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 uh, anyway, I, uh, uh, after the Christmas decorations thing, we always used to uh, take down all the balloons and stuff and we had a, a very low cellar when I lived in Deptford. You had to crouch to walk around it. Uh, but it was, it was a good storage place. For some reason, I always used to throw the balloons down there uh, after Christmas. and And then when I did a Clearing up of the cellar one time I don't know why I did it But that's what I used to do Uh, Anyway, I did that quite regularly But one balloon I must have um, uh, left Because there were no lights down here You had to have a lead light and walk around And another time I was down there Trying to find something I trod on this rogue balloon It went Right I jumped, uh, I went straightened up, hit my head on the beam, and I was gone. <gasps> Bang, gone, out, right out. Uh, I came round thinking, what was that? Uh, there were several other old bits of balloon around, and I emerged from what used to be a coal cellar covered in coal dust with bits of old balloon all around my shoulders, a huge duck egg on my head that was bleeding, <laughs> eyes spinning round, going round and round and round like a bagatelle. And Wendy's saying... What, what happened? Oh my God, what's happened? I said, well, I was walking around in the cellar and I, I, I don't know what it was. I must have trod on a balloon and it went off and I knocked myself out. <laughs> Now, even with the best will in the world, a wife cannot keep a straight face when you've done that. Oh, <laughs> you're red and half bleeding. Oh, you're all right. And that, my friends, is at the perils of, of sudden movement. So, thank you very much for our correspondent. To so everybody whose emails have not yet been read, I'm not doing this as a tease, but they all will be as we travel on down the years. Now, Friday will be the last we gather here. Uh, the shows will all remain there. You've still got the 60, it'll be 61 by then, Peps, won't it? Mm. 61 shows will remain in the, in the public domain. But after Saturday, uh, the email remains the same, the spirit remains the same, except we start expanding in different ways uh, with my new book. You can uh, you get all of that and the diaries and the record reviews and little pop-up videos of around the uh, house here. And, uh, and, and mainly, I, I just did the top 12 punk records of all time, not in a dreary way, 5,000 words explaining this rather uh, obtuse selection. And I've just started the top 12 uh, novelty and children's records. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother. It's Bernie. All in the ground. All of those. Uh, and that will be a, a, a monthly thing as well. So you get details how we can hopefully all move forward and uh, Pep's and I can actually do this for a living. That'll start on, on Friday. But in the meantime, play the theme tune there, one, Phil. Two,
0: three, four, three, three Climb up, come in, let's cosy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away
1: In the treehouse The fire's
0: on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away
1: That's been Louise, Napoleon, Peppa, the great-granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh on the other side of the screen from me. Uh, Phil Wilding has been producing it, but as you can tell by the content we deliver you, it's always chiefly yourselves. We'll see you Saturday, everyone.